Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Case Baggerman. How are you doing today, Case? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, Jarian. How about yourself? Doing good. Late night, early morning, but uh, power through. Getting ready to start the, the holiday here this week since we have Thanksgiving here. Um, but uh, yeah, getting ready to, to go to Chicago here in a few hours. Hopefully, we'll see how the kids are feeling. Um, Get, getting ready to stuff your face with uh, with turkey? Yep, breaking the, the diet for I'm going to break and then I have to start back <laughs> over again for the holiday. How about you? Um, well, no holidays here, so it's all work and no play, um, but but good fun. So um, how about uh, you go and introduce our guest for today? Yep, today we're happy to have Jeremy Moskowitz uh, of GP, you know, 15-year MVP group policy, um, you know, policy pack, um, gpanswers.com. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, introduce uh, Jeremy. So how are you doing today, Jeremy? I'm doing great. This is awesome. Thanks so much for having me, fellas. So um, we're, we got you on today, and, you know, thanks for reaching out to us. You know, we always try to seek out um, products out there and, and, and tools and, and people that, that kind of help in the, the EUC space because uh, us at Frontline Chatter Podcast, we're kind of EUC-focused. So it, it's good to have you on because you kind of have a unique product uh, in the market. Um, you know, I'm more familiar with it early on, but you, you have since branched out. So it, it's good to have you on to talk about that. Well, thank you. I, it's, it's funny. I, I agree with you. I feel like we got famous in one area and people – it's it's sort of like, you know, when you're a band and you have like a greatest hits album, people like kind of remember you for your greatest hits album. But then there's also amazing music that keeps coming out from that band. And you got to keep exploring and going back and seeing like what what's their what's their new albums looking like. And I feel like that's kind of like us. All right, so can you tell us a little bit about, about your old album and about your newer albums? Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd love to. Yeah, so what we got famous for, we like to say, is managing the crap out of all application settings. So like people, like if you were to look for the premier way to manage Firefox, Flash, Java, Internet Explorer, OpenOffice, Chrome, and so on, like the settings inside. Like we don't deploy software. We feel like you've already got software that does that. But then our claim to fame is the actual settings inside the applications themselves. Like said another way, if you want to, you have 10,000 seats of Firefox and you want to set the homepage, lock it down so users can't be naughty and work around it, and dictate three sanction plugins while removing existing plugins that a user might have installed that could be, you know, not security conscious. We are the tool for that. So we've done a fantastic job managing the heck out of all application settings themselves because you don't want to leave the end user experience, including the desktop and the apps and everything therein. You don't want to leave that up to chance or to the end user. You're in charge, right? You're the one that knows the security settings and, and so on. And you should be able to dictate those settings and lock them down and make it so that users can't be naughty and work around it. And we've been doing that for a long time. And again, that's sort of when, when we got famous, that's what we got famous for. But the good news is that we, we've really branched out and have done a lot of amazing stuff since, since, the, since those days. By way of example... Um, another claim to fame is being able to what we call route users from one browser to another. We've all had that experience where we, our users will call us or call the help desk like, I don't know why my time card app isn't working in Chrome. Yeah, right, because that time card app only works correctly in Internet Explorer. And what we'll do is literally route the user from the wrong browser to the right browser 
And then also, if that browser happens to be, say, Internet Explorer, set the document and enterprise modes accordingly. So we'll literally route from browser to browser based on a website or website pattern. And if it's Internet Explorer, as the target, we'll also set the enterprise and compatibility modes. So that's that another... Go ahead. That is a pretty nifty feature. I've been in situations where uh, applications were uh, requiring specific settings, and you could only do it for uh, for the entire page, not not anything near like you're doing. So that's uh, that's something I wish I had uh, while uh, while implementing those legacy apps. That sounds great. Yeah, and it's any to any browser. So if like you've got Chrome nowadays, and you want to say, uh, sorry, if you've got Chrome or Firefox or Edge, and that's great, you want to let users do whatever they want. But there's two or three freaking websites that have to be done correctly in Firefox or Edge or Chrome or whatever. You can literally start in any and end in any. We'll automatically route them there. We'll do that either inside the browser or if they get a link, say, through Outlook or, um, you know, uh, Acrobat Reader or whatever it is, which is really nice. Um, we've continued on to also do a similar thing with regards to Java. So Java uh, is a huge problem still. It's a big enterprise utility. And we can map the right website to the right version of Java, which is amazing. So Java built into the box lets you, and people often ask me, why does Java let you install Java 7 and another version of 7 and another version of 7 and then three versions of 8 and now 9? Like, why does it let you do that? Because inside Java's brain, there's this thing called Java Deployment Rule Set, and you can train it, if you know how to do it, to enable a particular website to map to a specific version of Java. And when you do that, you get a little bit of magic that occurs. The magic is you can have an older version of Java on your machine for compatibility sake. So map that old crappy time card app to a particular version of Java. And then also have the latest version of Java for security. So when something isn't mapped at all, it'll always use the most secure version of Java. So people are often trying to decide, should I have the latest version of Java for security or should I not have that and have an old and crappy version of Java for compatibility? And with Java Rules Manager that's built into Policy Pack, we don't have to decide. You can have both. You can have the, the newest version for security and the older versions for compatibility and it just works. So yeah, so you kind of have that, you know, I want to use specific versions of Java for these crappy applications, but then my catch-all and security version is always used default, right? That's it. It falls upward. And this is all baked in automatically. If you've ever tried, you know, there's documentation on how to do this. It's, I've never met a company that feels like they have fully successfully wrestled this to the ground until they've started to use us. So we, you know, it's in the box. In fact, the guy that um, created this at Oracle, he's now a member of my team, which is great. Like when I, when I, when I showed this to him before, uh, you know, he came aboard as an advisor, he was like, this is the way we should have done it from the ground up. I'm so happy to have seen this. Like, and that was real validation for me. So would you say some of the, the top reasons someone comes to the policy pack would be application settings, Java router and browser router, or are there other things they come to you for as well? Yeah. So the, the another couple of big pieces and uh, like for, like for me, the next, I mean, there's no order to this. Like in other words, somebody might have, uh, they might want to wrestle Firefox to the ground and Java to the ground and route. route. Like I have no idea like what's going to light somebody up in the morning. But by way of example, another huge component is this idea called least privilege manager. 
we all have these crappy applications that still throw UAC prompts in. And I can't tell you how many stories I hear of people that say, yeah, so I give my, I give my developers or I give my standard users two credentials and they put, and I give them this uh, admin credential, a little sticky piece of paper. And I say, please don't use it. Or if you do use it, just let me know. So I know what you did. So said another way, they're giving them standard user credentials and local admin credentials, dot, 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 when they need it. And they hope that they don't miss abuse, you know, those credentials. That is a terrible position to be in. You never want to give users local admin rights. And even if you have taken away local admin rights, I say that you end up what I call as still being in, quote, the ditch. Well, what is the ditch? The ditch is there's still going to be some application that won't play ball and requires a local admin, right? Or there's a part of the operating system that, like, say, device manager where you you may need a, a guy on the road to get into device manager or something as simple as keeping his freaking iTunes up to date. You don't want to be in charge of the SCCM universe and then have to deal with the 23 people that need iTunes or UPS quick ship or the specialty bank app that, that lives on two users machines. So historically you've just given those people local admin rights and you hope they don't misabuse it. But with, policy pack least privilege manager, it's easy. You just create a rule and you say when the thing is called iTunes setup and it's signed by Apple, well, in that case, we'll go ahead and let it, let it install as an admin, but the actual application itself will run as a standard user or let that local standard user get into device manager. Device manager will run with elevated privileges, but there's not a lot they can do there except update drivers. And actually that's good because that guy on the road with that camera, he needs to update those drivers from time to time. You know, and so on. So, or that application that has UAC prompt that just will not freaking work without at local admin rights, like QuickBooks or Procmon or uh, TreeSize, any of these applications that throw UAC prompts in your face, you can elevate those applications on the fly with built-in rule sets. So that's a pretty, uh, pretty extensive explanation of where we are today. But can you tell us about the, the, genesis, the, the genesis of Policy Pack in the first place? So what inspired you to go down this route? Yeah, sure. I love telling the story. So, you know, I, I, I've been the group policy MVP for a bazillion years. I get to speak at big events like TechEd and Ignite and all that sort of thing. So back in, I think it was like the 2006 timeframe, at TechEd, I was doing a speech and I just finished talking about like group policy essentials and security and so on and locking things down and things. And somebody raised their hand all the way in the back and, you know, you know, went up to the microphones and said, Hey, Jeremy, why is it that group policy does such a great job with the stuff that's in the box? But why does it do such a crappy job with stuff that's not in the box? And he was talking about like Acrobat Reader and Flash and Firefox and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to build that. Like that needs to exist. Like the world is not the right, the world is not righted and needs to be fixed. And I'm going to make the world a better place and group policy enable these third party apps. So that, that was the genesis of policy pack. And then we've continued to grow our portfolio. Again, we started with getting famous with application settings, continuing on with browser router, then Java rules manager, least privilege manager, uh, and, and a couple other, couple other big, Patches of the universe. So, so that's kind of interesting, and we'll, we'll talk about some more features here go, going on down the road. But uh, so, when we talk about policy pack. Um, what's the infrastructure look like? Management and deployment look like. So, there's kind of three ways you can do it. In fact, the we, we really have 
two products that you can buy and get everything in the suite. So there's only like one decision you have to make, which is, do I want what's called the on-prem and MDM edition? That's one thing. Or do you want the cloud edition? Let's talk about the, the most common use case. The most common use case, and most of the videos on our website will show this, which is you create a GPO, you have an editor that lets you create the thing you want to do, kind of like the group policy preferences has editors. The data is stored as XML inside the group policy object itself on a domain controller. And then on the endpoint, there's a little moving part called the client-side extension, and it downloads it from the group policy object that lives on a domain controller, downloads it, and performs the work. Now, to be super clear, we are not an agent. We do not, like, I know what an agent is. You know what an agent is. We are not an agent. We are a true group policy client-side extension as if Microsoft themselves had shipped it from the factory. We hook into GP update. We run inside the group policy results reports. We, we are group policy as, as really as if Microsoft had shipped it. So when it comes to infrastructure and architecture, there is none. There literally, there's no servers to buy or build, no databases to create, no functional or domain controllers, modes or levels or anything to switch or do. We don't care what kind of servers you have at all. Domain controllers do not matter to us. The only thing that matters is, is our moving part, the client-side extension, on the endpoint and ready to rock? And if the answer is yes, that's it. That's all you need in order to get started. That's the on-prem edition part of the on-prem and MDM edition. We also, like I said, have the word MDM in that. Well, what does that mean? All it means is you can take your on-prem directives and your on-prem directives can be what we talked about you know, for the last couple of minutes, managing Firefox and Flash, managing Java, least rules manager, uh, least privilege manager. Take these things, dot, 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 and also any real God-given created Microsoft group policy, group policy preferences, or group policy security setting and export those and upload them to your MDM service, which will then download it to your endpoints, and your endpoints will also be running our client-side extension and perform the work. So said another way, you can take your on-prem stuff, export it, and upload it to your MDM service, and that could be policy pack stuff or MDM or, or group policy stuff. So you can take group policy or policy pack stuff and upload it, and then magically download it to any of your clients using MDM today. Now, so on that one, that, go, go, go ahead. ahead. Did we talk about how the the um, the rewritten GP, GM, GPMC console and that kind of stuff too as well? Because you, you have some pieces there. Yeah, exactly. So, the, so basically for installation, there's only two things somebody needs to get done in order to for, for magic to happen. On Mr. GPMC's computer, he installs the admin console MSI. And on Mr. End User's computer, he installs client-side extension.msi. The end, they are done. That's it. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean, most, I, I say this with a straight face, and I really mean it. Most customers, once they, once they realize that, they're like, wait a minute, I can get started today and get my first three base hits accomplished by the time lunch rolls around? Yes, you, it's that simple. It's, there's nothing to it. You can deploy the client-side extension using whatever method you want. You want to use SCCM. You want to use a third-party software deployment tool, whatever. You can bake it into your image if you feel like you want to do that. Once the client-side extension is out there, that's it. It's just exactly the same way group policy preferences worked before it was a Microsoft product. And what kind of framework is that? Is that console? So is it kind of is it MMC based? Yep. 
Drill yep. Five. What, what's that look like? No, it's MMC based. So like when you when you create a GPO and link it over to a place, and then you click edit, now you're in the group policy object editor, and you see policies, preferences, and now policy pack. You just click right through. You already know group policy, and you already know how to use policy pack. No brain power involved. That sounds easy to integrate into uh, uh, any UEM product as well. Well, it also works perfectly well alongside things like Microsoft AGPM for check-in, check-out workflow management, or NetIQ GPA, or any of those group policy change management utilities. Like We made sure that they worked perfectly with those because as a group policy MVP, I wanted to make sure it works perfectly. Like That's important to me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, can, I, can see, I can see why you're, uh, you're seeing that. So um, with that, let's talk about some of the features. You already mentioned uh, uh, the elevation, the browser router, Java router. Um, let's talk about file type associations, and yeah. you probably uh, have more to, tell, to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Actually, before we do that, would it be okay to talk about the other delivery mechanism? Like we talked about on-prem and MDM. We forgot oh, a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, which is we, we've got to, like for people who have no infrastructure at all, which would be mostly like MSPs or very small businesses or folks who don't want to like spin up a whole contract with like an MDM service, which, you know, you know, MDM is, is mostly for IT. It's less for like super, you know, for, for enterprises. It's way, it's not that appropriate for very small shops. So we've got our own service called the Policy Pack Cloud Edition. So how does it work? On your GPMC machine. You make that your editors. You just, we just have like a, a console for editing. You export, upload it to Policy Pack Cloud, and then your endpoints will download their directives from, from Policy Pack Cloud. So basically, in the, fir the first thing we talked about, the on-prem and MDM edition, you bring the transport. Either you bring group policy, you could use Altiris or SCCM as the transport, you can use MDM as a transport. It's bring your own transport. The second method is the cloud edition, we provide the transport. We, we, become, we become a mechanism for you to upload and then get directives out to your endpoints. Perfect for guys who are running very small IT shops. Um, and, you know, we often get the question of, hey, you know, I'm flirting, with, I'm flirting with Intune. I'm flirting with AirWatch. They don't seem to do enough. What should I do? You can either use the MDM, the policy pack on-prem and MDM edition. That's fine. Or you can use the cloud edition with your with your MDM or your um, you know your MSP like service. The, either one will work great. So for each use case, there's a there's a delivery method. Yeah, and that's all you have to decide. It's like you know, most people know what they want. They they already have a tool. They have tooling for delivery mechanism, or they don't. And if they do, we have a, we have a way to do that. And if they don't, well, then you can use our cloud service. You got it. Okay, cool, cool. So back to uh, back to the features. Um, like I said, uh, we already discussed the elevation part and the uh, the browser Java router. Um, can you tell us about the file association manager and, and other features in the product? I sure can. I can even give you I, I can even give you a future facing thing. I can tell you about something that's on the horizon because we're so close to shipping. So one of them is file associations manager. You're absolutely right, which is one of my new favorite things. I mean, so. Inside the box, inside Windows 10 now, there's this mechanism that you can, if you know what you're doing, and it's public, and we have blog postings, we explain how to do it if you want to do it manually, take like PDF and associate it with Acrobat, or MP4 and associate that with you know, VLC Media Player. Like You can do it, but the way you have to do it as a mere mortal administrator is insane. You have to create what I call the perfect golden image machine and have all the right things 
all the way associated correctly. And by the way, I don't know if you know, but the, the way the file associations worked in Windows 7 is actually very different than the way it works in Windows 10. In Windows 7, it was on the H key, local, H key current user side. And what was happening was that these applications like Grandma would download fake PDF viewer and it would then hijack PDF as the file type, thus making Grandma less secure. So they changed this starting in Windows 8.1. They actually just, they, they physically changed where file associations works in Windows 10 and they made it H key local machine. What's, what's, what's happening here? On the one hand, it's more secure, but on the other hand, and I'm sure you've seen this, you, you walk up to a machine and you double click on, say, Acrobat Reader as the install and you click next, 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 next. And what happens? It says, I'm done, but it doesn't take away the uh, file association default from, say, Edge as the PDF reader and reassign it to Acrobat. It won't do it. It has no facility to do it. You, as the local admin on the box, you have to go in and change it yourself. It's, that's the way it works in the operating system, and it's insane. So you can do it manually, and then Microsoft provides this mechanism to do it automatically. And let me explain that. So the way that this works is that you, again, you have your perfect standard golden machine with all the associations ready to go. You export that with a DISM command and it creates this XML file. And what's that? You don't like all the perfect associations in your golden image machine? Well, too bad. You either have to keep it or you have to trim it. And then you take that block file, that the, the result, you have one chance to get it perfect. And then you use a group policy object to point toward that XML and then that's the associations list for everybody. And that's awesome for the first day. Because then the second day, you decide you want to change from WinZip to UltraZip or 7-Zip or something like that. Now you're screwed. Now you have to do this whole process all over again. You have to go back to your golden machine, update it, export it, get group policy to point to it, and hope everybody gets it. It's a nightmare. It's a total nightmare. So you have to be in total coordination between, you know, Mr. Golden Image, Mr. SCCM, and Mr. Group Policy. It's just a terrible, terrible mechanism. So we've decided to do, I hope that wasn't too long of an explanation, but I feel like it requires like a little, a little, you know, little setup here. Nope, you're, you're good. It's actually a good explanation. and It kind of illustrates the, the pain process and kind of the the one, the one catch-all piece of it. So having to redo it again, open up your golden image, and you're going to give us a better way to do it with your product. So it, it's a good way to kind of explain that. Yeah, I, I, I hope it didn't go on too long. I appreciate you saying so. So what we and that, so, so all that explanation is to be summarized in, you got it. It's not a good system, but it does work. So what we've been able to do is say, hey, look, let's use the physics Microsoft gave us. Let's use that file associations piece, that XML that they've already created for us, and we're saying it's easy peasy. In your group policy editor, you right-click new file association, and you just say, I want PDF to be joined to the hip to Acrobat Reader, and you're done. And what we do at the end point on the machine is we calculate all the rules that you create across all group policy objects. We create the XML file, point to it, and we use the same physics Microsoft has. In other words, we completely distribute it as opposed to making it one big blocky thing. So it literally becomes point and shoot. Well, what's that? You change your PDF reader to something else tomorrow. What's that? You change your wins, you change your zip reader to something else tomorrow. No problem. You create a new policy that just substitutes this for this. No more golden image required. No more coordination between Mr. Golden Image, Mr. SCCM, and Mr. Group Policy. 
once you deploy it, you just change change the uh, change the association, and you are good to go. It's it's literally seconds. Again, that's a, that's a great feature to have. I've been um, 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 moving around with uh, with Windows 10 images uh, for a while now, and the the PDF association thing gets me each and every time. So having that in a modular approach is really a really useful feature for for any company. How how would you like to see that same modular approach transition from a big blocky thing with regards to the start menu also to a modular approach? Well, we're going to do it. It's going to be called Start Screen Manager, and it'll be the same basic idea. You don't have to have a big, scary, golden image that has exactly the right applications installed and the right start menu blocks and the right icons in the right place. No, no, no. We're going to have an MMC snap-in where you can right-click, new group, give it a group name like My Sales Team Apps, and drop icons in, in the right location, in the right size, dynamically, and go get a beer. It's, it's that simple. That's, that, that's a huge feature because, again, instead of that, that bulky, clunky method, you're, you're doing that point and shoot, which is handy for you know, being able to control different use cases, different groups, and, and so forth. So I'm looking forward to seeing that feature. And distributed. And it's distributed. So the idea is like you know, group policy itself is distributed or MDM itself can also be distributed. In other words, like different people can have different you know, portions of the world. You could have Mr. East Sales OU and Mr. West Sales OU who don't talk that have different requirements, but both use group policy or MDM, they can each craft their experience and they don't have to have a big, scary, blocky method that has to either encompass both of them or take them to that, you know, to that method we talked about. You just point, shoot, and done, and you're ready to go. And they don't, those two guys don't really have to talk, which is nice. So you, you kind of telling us here as we're going through, you know, some of the flexibility of policy pack. And we've talked about the transports, so group policy management, SECM, MDM, policy plaque cloud um, for the transports. But are there any differences in the transports and any pros or cons versus one or the other? Uh, well, I'm partial to the group policy transport only because group policy just generally freaking works across almost every customer. Like uh, uh, one is not better than another. Like we, we, in fact, the history of this ability to do multiple transports kind of came up in a unique way. We had somebody back in the day say, you know, we love this idea of managing the heck out of application settings, but we're just not a group policy shop. We just, we don't have any expertise. It's just not our thing. We're like, well, what do you use? Oh, we use Altiris. All right. Okay. Well, so what we were able to do, we figured out we could decouple the group policy settings from the group policy engine and decouple our settings from the group policy engine, which gives us this ability to right-click, export our settings, and then use SCCM, use Altiris, use MDM, and use Policy Pack Cloud for Microsoft real group policy and group policy preferences and group policy security settings and our settings. So is there a right or better method? No, there's no right or better method. If you are an SCCM or Altera shop and that's the way you want to do 100 million percent of everything, that's great. For me, I'm partial to the group policy method. I like the idea of just running GP update and like having it work instantly or at, you know, group policy also applies at log off and log on for the user and at reboot for the computer. If you want to just follow that natural flow, you'll see that most of our most of the demos on the website show that. But we also show how to export, how to wrap it up into uh, an MSI format, which we give you a little utility for, and deploy that using, say, Altiris or SCCM uh, or, or MDM. So there's one way is not better than another. I just happen to be partial to the group policy method. 
So um, just as a recap, there's an on-prem version and, and cloud with MDM. Um, who do you uh, who do you integrate with uh, for the MDM part? Um, uh, yeah, we've we've tested with the three big guys. We've tested with Intune, AirWatch, and MobileIron, uh, but there's nothing at all saying that another transport method shouldn't work. So, you know, anything that's uh, a real MDM server, OMADM compliant, it should all work. We've just tested with the three big guys. And and if they can deploy MSI too, that should work also as well for for Windows 10 management. So I yep. think something like uh, Zen Mobile, which I think they just added that in their latest for Windows 10, I think that it, they can uh, do that as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. You just take your directives, you export them as, as XML files, we give you a free little utility to wrap it up into an MSI, and you're exactly right. Using your MDM service, you're going to deploy three things to your target machine, our license file, which is an MSI, you uh, you know, you can then the directives and then the client side extension. When those three things are on the endpoint with MDM, it lights up and performs the work. And what's also great about what we've been able to do here is tap into the insane, insanely great power of um, group policy preferences is item level targeting. So if you're familiar with this idea of, you know, only do this thing, comma, when your operating system is, say, Windows 10 or Windows 7 or when you're on this IP range or whatever – you can get this on-off characteristic quality. So by way of example, let's go back to, uh, say, uh, Application Manager and managing the Firefox homepage, just something for us to hang our hat on. You can say, when I'm in this IP range, then set my Firefox homepage to this value, and when I'm at home, well, then do nothing at all. And because I've detected that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in the office, and therefore, you know, peel back that setting. So you get this on-off quality built in because you just have your have a rule that says do this thing when this is true and don't do this thing when that thing is not true anymore. So, so you get a truly adaptive uh, workspace. Yeah, I mean, that's if you think about the power of group policy in the first place, like going back from the NT4 to Active Directory days, what was the difference between NT4 policy and group policy? It was really one thing, and that one thing was you get something because you are something, and now you lose that something because you aren't that something anymore. And so that whole idea, we've continued onward and upward into MDM land. And the reason why I bring that up is like, you know, I was at Ignite and like these, these MDM vendors are, are doing this idea where they, they, they're saying things like, you can deploy group policy-like things using a PowerShell script. And I just like smack my hand into my face and I'm like, that's great. Now we're back to NT4 script days. That's where we want to be, right? Like, that is not, that is not my humble suggestion. Um, not, even if I didn't have a product company, I, would not, I do not think that that is the best way to approach deploying settings, just scripting it and lobbying, you know, throwing it over the fence and hoping the thing sticks. What we're really bringing to the table in a sincere and specific fashion is true group policy over the internet using an MDM service or a cloud service, poking the right group policy thing and then pulling it back when it doesn't apply anymore. True group policy over the internet, not just a script or some blob of settings that you hope makes it there and sort of pretends or pokes similar things. We are the real deal as opposed to what the vendors are saying that they're doing. And they're, they're, they're having a checkbox. Says, oh, we do group policy management. No, you don't. What you're really doing is a script that pretends to be group policy management. 
All right. So um, um, uh, that's a lot about how, how you know the the additional features that you you can bring. Um, how how does a like an offline scenario looks like for uh, uh, for the on-prem uh, group policy stuff? Yeah, actually, all of it works pretty much the same. So once the once the directive is on the machine, either through group policy or through MDM or through the cloud edition or through SCCM or carrier pigeon or however the hell you get it there. Once the directive is there, it generally works exactly the same. And in most cases, we're able to do a handful of unique things. We're either able to maintain that setting, even when they're offline, and in uh, there's also in Application Manager, <laughs> we have this ability to, um, to say, snap back uh, a particular setting after the thing has been changed. So by way of example, let's say you don't want to lock down the homepage setting, but you do want to change it. You do want somebody to change that value while the application is running. That's great. If you choose that, then the next time the application runs, even when the dude is offline, we will automatically replay back that setting so that when you know that application relaunches, that setting is reintroduced the very next time that application runs, even when that dude is completely offline. So once you've got that setting, it's just like policy, that setting is generally maintained uh, continually, even when the guy's offline. Oh, that's great because we all know those those very familiar users that go in and change that that one setting, and, and you basically want to flip it back as soon as he uh, he changed that that setting. So it's good to have that mechanism built in. That being said, so is there a, a reporting of of the delivery of effective machines? Um, like any reports on uh, how many of those users that go in and change that one setting that we uh, predefined for them? Um, any any reporting of that? Sure. So the, I, we don't care what the user has done because, again, the idea is that you've set the configurable item to either let them change it in total, like apply once and never again, so that way they can change it, or you can say always reapply the setting, or you can say lock down this setting. So we don't care if the user has the ability to change it or not. The idea is you've dictated if they can configure it or not, so we don't report on that. What we do report on, however, is did the setting at least make it there itself? Like, did your wish get accomplished on the machine? Well, how would you do that in normal group policy? You would run GPMC group policy results reports, or you could walk up to a machine and run GP results slash H, right? So those same mechanisms that work for real group policy, they work for us too, dot, 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 because we are real group policy, right? So that's the first thing. So we, we hook into the inbox reporting mechanism for group policy, or if you use SCCM, you would know that because SCCM will tell you, did the did the uh, directive make it there as an MSI and is it reported? And MDM will tell you, did my MSI make it there? And in cloud service, we also tell you, did your thing make it there? So we tell you, did our thing make it there for all the thing, for, for each of the transport mechanisms? But honestly, the one that needs a little help is the group policy mechanism. And again, I'll take off my product manager hat for a second and put on my group policy MVP hat and say like, I love group policy, but there's some stuff that's not great about it. And this is one of them. Like SCCM has always had a great reporting mechanism. You want to push out, you know, dog food maker 12 to 20,000 machines. And it tells you the 19 machines that didn't make it because of no disk space. And the guy never came into the office and so on. Like SCCM does a great job there, but group policy on 20,000 machines doesn't tell you that your GPO settings didn't make it to 19 machines. It does not do a good job there. So to that end, uh, we have a, a, a little add-on utility called 
the Policy Pack Group Policy Compliance Reporter Utility. And for free, it will tell you on 20,000 machines, did your Policy Pack specific settings make it to your endpoints? So did your Firefox security settings make it out there and your Java rules manager settings and your file associations manager and your lease privilege did, and your start menu? Did all the us settings make it out there to 20,000 machines? We'll tell you that. But it's a little add-on if you want to know that information for Microsoft settings. So like, did your Microsoft security setting, did your Microsoft group policy preferences setting, did your Microsoft ADMX setting, so for those three particular categories, the stuff that Microsoft ships, it's a small add-on and will tell you on all of your machines, did your settings actually make it out there? Because that's important. Once it's out there, then it's going to be performed to your specifications. Does that add-on just go with the management console or does it go with the management console and the endpoint? So uh, so the idea is that it has its own management console. So it's its own, you know, UI for, um, for compliance reporter. And then for the endpoint, you can either have nothing at all, and you can basically what we call fire the machine gun at your 20,000 machines. And if they're on, that's great. You'll get instant reporting about what their state of affairs is. But if they're off, we have this agentless way of being able to, when group policy applies, run a little, you know, little piece of magic that will then tell your compliance reporter server, which is optional, what the state of affairs is on 20,000 machines. So said another way, you can either do it manual and ask 20,000 machines, or you can automatically just gather the information at the last state of affairs for your 20,000 machines and then query the server instead of querying 20,000 machines. So but it's it's agentless, which is pretty nice. It just pushes its data up when when the um, when when group policy applies in the background. Okay, so let's let's talk about um, a community license. Do you guys have a community license? So we we used to have a thing called community edition, which was not really good enough to be used by anybody, so we killed it. <laughs> it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. So what we do have, however, is if you're an MVP or CTP or um, if you have a, a, a demonstrable use case where you're, you, there's something that you want to demonstrate for a customer, we'll absolutely make sure that we can get you enough a, a resale license and make it so that you can bang it on your test lab. Obviously, we're not looking for uh, you know somebody who just wants to use it at home to set Firefox uh, homepage settings. Like That's not the goal. We're looking for people who uh, really want to understand the product so they can implement it at, at real companies. Yeah, I, I can see a couple of community programs like MVP, CTP, um, CTA, probably Parallels, the VPP as well, um, because they all deal with you know delivering um, these desktop and application virtualization environments or some kind of MDM product to kind of help with this piece. So. I could see them getting their hands on it to help kind of evangelizing it and give them yep. feedback as well to help with that. So, And that's great. If they go to contact us and they fill out the contact us form and say, I'm an MVP in this arena, you know, I'm using MVP general, general term. Great. We'll, we'll definitely make sure that those people have complete access and they can try the on-prem edition, the MDM licensed version, the cloud version, or the compliance reporter. We'll make sure that they have that ability. That, that That's great for our listeners. So for, when this goes live and our listeners hear this, make sure you go to the website um, and you know, fill out the contact us. Tell, tell them your use case. Tell them your community program, and they should be able to work with you from there um, to get a community uh, license. And then, you know, what about technology partnerships? Um, I, I saw a, a blip about 
you guys working with FS Logics a little bit uh, about a webinar you guys did um, on, on Twitter. I, I retweeted it because I, I see that that's a good use case where you guys work together. Um, do you want to talk about that? And are there yeah. any other ones you guys are working on as well? Yeah. Uh, well, there's one I can't announce yet because you know we don't have it, we don't have our, we don't have it together yet. But more are coming. We'll put that aside. I can talk about the ones that are public and that are on their website. And if anybody wants to see these things, we just call them integrations, right? And what is an integration? Integration just means a better together story. And I think like, I think that like, like one of the tenets at our company at Policy Pack is we don't want to replace something that you're already doing or already invested in. So if you're already using SCCM, we're not trying to replace SCCM. If you're using group policy, we're not trying to replace group policy. If you've invested in Citrix or VMware, that's great. We want to leverage and become a force multiplier for the thing you're already doing, okay? So by way, so if you were to go to our website and look under integration, you'll see this category called vendor integration. And I encourage anybody who's already got you're mostly a Microsoft shop or mostly a Citrix shop or VMware shop, check out our vendor integrations and see like where we think we can add value to what you're already doing and not replacing. Like we really, really go out of our way to not replace something you're already doing. But some in some interesting partnerships we have, uh, one is with a company called Admin Arsenal. Those are the guys that make PDQ deploy. Um, I love those guys. They have a very lightweight software deployment utility and they deploy software great and we manage software great, right? So like that's a great better together story. So we have a bunch of videos that describe that. And you're right. Policy Pack and FS Logics recently um, uh, described some amazing things that we're doing together. And, you know, for those of uh, for those who are not familiar with what FS Logics does, they do like three big things, but with regards to what we're interested in, they have this ability to have like a golden image that's chock full of all your applications and then hide or they call it masking your applications. Well, that's interesting because wait a minute, we manage the heck out of applications. So by way of example, let's say you've got an application that requires a UAC prompt and you have to give that dude local admin access. Well, you can bake that into your image, use FS logics to hide or unmask the, uh, the application, and then you use policy pack, um, the, the policy pack least privilege manager to elevate and get out of the jam and let that, let that application run no UAC prompt required. That's a that's an interesting use case. Or you might have the you might want to have all of your browsers built into your golden image, and then use FS Logics to hide and unhide browsers for the right for the right guy at the right time. But now you're in that weird place again where what's the default browser? Well, guess what? We can set the default browser, and then we can route between say. Firefox and Internet Explorer and Edge or Chrome and Fire Chrome and Internet Explorer and Edge. So we can do this routing between them. And we can't hide or, or unmask apps. They can, which is really great. And if we go to the um, if we go to the start menu thing again, those get, you can have 80 billion applications embedded in your image, but then you can hide and unmask them as you need to based on the criteria. And when it comes to us, we're gonna make beautiful Windows 10 groups and put the applications right into those groups and enable the right people to get the right start menu at the right time. It's a really, uh, it's a really great one-to-one uh, -one correspondence. That sounds like a great synergy between those two companies. It's uh, f filling, filling the, um, where, where FS Logics is the delivery method, you can be the presentation layer on top of it, uh, hiding or, or unhiding certain features. Um, so th that being said, and you already mentioned uh, a little bit about uh, the future of, uh, 
of the company and, and the direction of where you're going with the, the start menu, being able to uh, to um, uh, zoom in granularly on, on the start menu. Can you tell us about uh, future plans? So we have a couple other things uh, on the horizon. I mean, when it comes to managing, basically, we want to make it so that uh, when when Windows 10 has new features. We know that they're complicated to, to deal with. And so what we're making sure is that, you know, at some point, people's Windows 10 deployment will be over. And I think right now is a very interesting time. Like, people are still transitioning from Windows 7 to Windows 10. Some people are mostly in Windows 10. Some people are partially in Windows 10. I think there's a lot of energy around, you know, getting to Windows 10. But I think what's great about what we're trying to do here is we – we want to make it so that the continual, we continually increase the ability for you to get out of having to create that perfect golden image or MDT it to the perfect ability, like all that stuff. We want to try to drive as much value into, into leveraging, um, you know, policy-based way. And again, I use policy in a very generic way. You could use group policy, you could use MDM, you could use cloud. We're just talking about on top of your thing that is deployed, we want to be able to enable you to do all that stuff without having to go back to a perfect, beautiful golden image. Like we want to get you out of that, uh, out of that world. And, and that also can mean like, you know, this idea of, you know, Windows Autopilot, just to set the stage for folks who don't know how Autopilot is. Autopilot is this great idea from Microsoft where you buy a, a shipment of 10,000 new Dell machines or 10,000 new HP machines or 10,000 Surface machines, and you deploy those out to your field users, and they get this out-of-box experience, and then they get some policy stuff set from MDM. You know what's going to be true, though? It isn't going to be enough. And when it comes to us, we're able to layer on today the group policy settings that you know and love, things that you can't get any other way, you can only get it through us, and all the stuff that only Policy Pack can do, like Least Privilege Manager and Browser Router and File Associations Manager all, and the Start Menu Manager, all these things that can only happen through us. So we're hoping that, that we continually add more value and then the, less, the least amount you can do to those machines to have to get in there touch them, retouch them, script them. We want to get you out of the scripting business and we want you to get into the policy-based business. That, that, that's good to hear that you guys are, you know, always looking for that, you know, playing out, working with autopilot and, and already forward thinking for that. So um, you guys can go ahead and, and get that on, on the books there and have that ready available for your customers. Um, one thing as I'm listening to you though, and I was just uh, thinking about this, um, going back to your FS logics integration, um, you know, FS logics plus policy pack is kind of a, a nice uh, synergy because you guys kind of make a, a UEM um, WM. So user environment workspace environment management products by combining your two products together. So that, that that's a win-win there. I was thinking for, for your guys' customers. Yeah. I mean, look, not, not every size is going to fit all. There's a lot of fluctuation in the marketplace right now. It's a kind of a confusing landscape. I know some people are not happy with their current vendors, um, and uh, and there really is a great better together story. And we we think we think like, yeah. I mean, you can do. You don't have to have a big old tank management system with databases and schemas and agents and SQL and all that crap that comes with all those traditional kind of UEM space. I mean, FS Logics and us, we work exactly the same way, which is like. There's a little moving part of the endpoint and no infrastructure. 
time to get a beer. Like it's that simple in order to get going. Um, as opposed to like, you need a whole person and you need budget and you need to think about this for the next umpteen years. And you're locked into this world. Like we don't, we just don't have that. We both kind of ride the light of the way that Microsoft kind of wants you to do things. So in kind of, uh, you know, wrapping things up here and, and thank you for, for coming on today. Jeremy, and giving us a lot of good information um, about Policy Pack. Um, for our listeners, um, to, if you want to, you know, for those in the community prop programs, if you want to look at the community license, you can go to policypack.com. Um, Policy Pack, Pack as in P-A-K. Um, that will be also in the blog post that we put out with this podcast when it goes live. Um, for any demo videos or to get more information or to reach out to the Policy Pack team, you can go to the website as well. Um, and, and see all the great information that, that Jeremy talked about in, in our video. So um, thank you for coming on today and, and spending your time with us, Jeremy. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, so like what we ask folks to do is when they, when they come to Policy Pack, you know, there's a bunch of what we call base hit videos on the website when you go to products and you can see all the base hit videos. But we, we always ask that if somebody really wants to kick the tires, like it's an investment in both of us. So like what we say is come to our one-hour webinar learn all the things you can do, see which things apply to you, and then we'll hand over the bits after the webinar and you can try it out for yourself. That's all we ask. And that's a great way to do it as well. You know, make that that small investment, um, watch the webinar, kick the tires, and, and then, you know, always reach out to the team for more help. Um, Case, as we're wrapping things up, do you have anything else you want to say today before we close things down? No, I just wanted to say that I really, really like the, the vision of low infrastructure, easy to deploy, easy to integrate. Sounds like a great product to have. And you already know how to use it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, as we're closing things down, down today, thank you again, Jeremy, for coming on. Uh, thanks, Case, for, for being um, on here today as, the, as another co-host today. Um, we'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, Liquidware, um, and FS Logics. Um, for myself and Case uh, Baggerman, thank you for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast, and we'll talk to you next time.